Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. I'm going to be preaching on uh, being a disciple of Jesus. And so let's just, uh, let's read in Matthew 28, 18, verse 20. I think we have it on the screen right there. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this church, God. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you just help us, Lord, speak to our lives, God, this morning. Use me, Lord, as a vessel, Lord, to speak your word. Father, I pray that you would just help me, Lord, as I'm nervous right now, but you would just move in this morning, God. We just thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So right here, this scripture, this is Jesus' last words to his disciples. He's ascending up into heaven, and he's leaving, with, leaving them with this, to make disciples of all nations. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is simply someone who was a follower of Jesus. That's it. It's, There's nothing else to it. It's just just simply a follower of Jesus. And so in order to make, so he's calling us to make disciples. But in order to make disciples, we must first understand what a disciple really is. And so I believe I I have four keys here that we can become better disciples, better followers of Jesus. So the the first key here, if you're taking notes, is to spend time with him. I know this this message is going to be simple, but I believe that. That is going to speak to some of us this morning. So first one is just to spend time with him. And one of the ways you can spend time with, with him is through reading the Bible. This is where God speaks to us. is read and obey his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you devote some time in the word, he begins to speak to you. Have you ever thought about this? The Bible is inspired by God himself. Yes, we had, there's men that wrote the Bible, but, that was, but God was using them to write it. As the scripture said, it is inspired by God. Uh, let me read here in Matthew 4. I have a lot of scripture because... I don't have a lot to say, so that's why I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Is that okay if I read the Bible in the church? I think that's good, right? <laughs> so uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, this is when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted. So let's read here in verse 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became, became hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple. And Jesus said, and and, sorry, not Jesus. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. 
Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So imagine going a day or a week without eating. And that's what Jesus did. He, he did 40 days and 40 nights. And I, it, I've looked it up. It actually is possible to go that long without, without food. Um, I, believe he, I believe he had water. I, I think if you don't have water like in two weeks or something, I think you could die. So I think he did have water, but that is, that is like a real fast of not having food. But imagine going a day or a week without eating. Our bodies, our physical bodies, we, they become weaker and weaker. I know I, I've been, I tried to fast like even three days. And, oh, man, the first day I'm ready, like I'm done. I can't do this. But uh, our bodies need nourishment. And, but just like our bodies need nourishment, our spirit also needs nourishment. And how do you get that nourishment for your spirit? Through the word of God. Have you ever thought about why you can't overcome sin? Or you've been dealing with an issue for a long period of time? Maybe it's unforgiveness, pride, different things like that. Let me ask you, how often are you in your word? When you are being tempted, how do you go against it? How do you fight against that? And notice in Matthew 14, Matthew 4, every time Jesus was tempted, what did he say? Let's look in verse 4. He says, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Verse 7, he says, the scripture also says you must, not, you must not test the Lord your God. And then verse 10, he says, the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Have you guys, did you guys catch that? He's, he responded, every time he was tempted, he responded with what? The scripture says. When we're tempted, how do we fight against that? We must do the same thing as Jesus did and fight against the temptation through the word. So when you're battling unforgiveness, how do you, how do you fight against that? Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if no one has complained against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. When you're dealing with pride, how do you, how do you fight against pride? James 4.6 says, therefore it says God opposes the proud, but give, gives grace to the humble. What do you do when you feel like you can't, you feel like giving up and you feel like you can't do anything? The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you feel like when you're having fear, the Bible says, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus is perfect love. So the, the word of God is powerful. We must use that to go against the sin in our life, the temptation that we we go through. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. His word not only gives us, but it corrects us. That is why we need to, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we need to be in our word. We learn who God is. He guides us, and we learn what is right and what is wrong. So that is the, that, that's the first thing, spending time with Jesus through the word and then also spending time with Jesus through prayer. I just lost my spot. So prayer, so, the, so reading the word, that's when God speaks to us. And prayer 
Yes, God can speak to us through prayer, but prayer is when we speak to God. Uh, how, but how often should we pray? Should we just pray when we're driving to work in the car? Should we pray only when we're in church? Of course not. So let's look how Jesus prayed. And in, in all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see, we see how Jesus prayed. I told you I have a lot of scripture. So Mark, Mark 135, it says, In the morning, a great while before the day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Luke 5.16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 6.12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain and prayed there all night. And then Matthew 4.23 says, after sending them home, he went into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell there while he was alone. As you can see, Jesus lived a life of prayer. Now, does that mean you have to be praying every single moment of your day, all night, all, all day? No. I mean, that would be cool if you have the time. That's great. But, but he's just showing us a pattern that this is what he did. He did it often. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. We should pray as often as we can. Matthew 6, 5 through 6 says, When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to, play, to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is their, the reward they will get. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Yeah, there are times we, we should be praying corporately as a group. But Jesus is telling us to go privately to our rooms. Go privately where no one else is around and pray. That's where we really truly find where Jesus is. So each, every one of us should make that decision. You can't live on your spouse's prayer for you. You can't live on, on the prayer that your parents, your grandparents pray for you. You yourself as disciples must pray on your own. You need to be praying. As a disciple, this is what God calls us to do in order to grow. Amen? So that, that, is, a, that is the first thing. Uh, spend time with God through prayer and reading the word. The, the second way we could be a disciple is denying yourself. Denying yourself. I don't know if I pronounced it right. Luke 14, 25 through 27 says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife and children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Does that mean that you must hate everyone else that doesn't follow Jesus? Of course. No, I'm just kidding. Of course not. That is not what he's saying there. But he's saying you must love Jesus more than yourself, more than anyone else. Matthew 6, says, seek the fir first the kingdom of God and above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So if you, if you love Jesus more than anything else, your family will be taken care of. He's saying, here, he's saying here, seek the kingdom of God first. Everything else, don't worry about anything else. I'll take care of it. Amen. Um, I'm going to read here about the story of the rich, wrong, rich young ruler. And I keep on mumbling on my words. <laughs> Help me, Lord. All right, so uh, I have uh, Luke 18, 18 through 30. I'm reading a lot of scripture this morning, so uh, I really want you guys just to Follow, on, follow along on the screens and just really just, just focus and try to listen to the story. So it says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, 
Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard this answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But the man heard this and became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I, sure, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. See, there is a cost to discipleship. And I know there's a lot in the story, so I'm going to break this story down uh, little by little. So I'm going to re reread the first part of the, of the scripture. It says, they asked him, good teacher, what should I do to inter inherit eternal life? And then Jesus goes and tells them, you must not commit, you must not commit uh, murder, commit adultery. Basically, all the commandments that he told them. So that first part, he's telling them, you must live righteously. As you can see, the rich young ruler, he was, he was a righteous person. He, he replied to Jesus, yes, I've, I've done all these things. Uh, let me read Romans 12. It says, uh, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will be acceptable. He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior of customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, in this, per in this verse, we are called to live different than the world. When, God, when we encounter Jesus, he begins to change our life. This, the old things that we used to do, he, he flips it, and we, we basically do the opposite. This culture teaches us to do one thing. But the word of God teaches us to do the other thing. I know it's, it's a little difficult to do that, but he calls us to stand for righteousness. And then uh, verse 21, he says, uh, I've been obeying all these commandments since I was young. And he says, yes, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. But the man was very sad, and he turned, away, he turned him away because he was very rich. See, there was one thing he couldn't let go of, and it was his money. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to empty our bank account and give it to the church. That's not what I'm saying. But this man was very rich. He did everything right, except he had his riches before Jesus. He loved that more than Jesus. What, it, what is something in your life that you could think of that you put before Lord, the Lord? Is it your job? Is it your school, your schooling, education? Is it your hobbies? What is it that, that you put before the Lord? Because they're all they're all good things, but but we must watch out that they don't become they, they don't come before God. And then uh, let me see here in verse twenty four to thirty it says, 
How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then who in this world could be saved, they replied. And he says, what is impossible for God is, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And they said, we left our homes to follow you. And Jesus replied, yes, I assure you that everyone who has given up house, wife, brothers, and children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid times over and will have eternal life in the world to come. See, the disciples left everything they had to follow Jesus. Some of them had, they had great jobs. We, we read here in, in Mark 1, 19 to 20, it says, A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw, sons of, saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He came to them at once, and they also followed them, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. See, these, these two, I want to speak about these two disciples, James and John. They were fishermen. As you see here in, in the, uh, the scripture, they weren't just doing fishing on the side. But this was their, their career. They had a great business. He says right here in verse 20, he called them at once and they followed them, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. They left everything they had. As you can, as you can see, they had hired men. What does that mean? It means that they had a good business going, so good that they're able to hire people. And if you have a business that you can hire people, you're doing, you're doing very well. But they left that. They left having authority to submit under authority. They basically left their servants and became a servant. And Jesus is calling us to do the same. Mark 10, 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to, ser to be served, but to serve, and gave his life a ransom for many. See, the life that we live is not ours. We should not be living for ourselves. See, the world te teaches us, Take care of yourself. It's all about you. Survival of the fittest. But Jesus teaches the contrary. He says, no, serve others. Live for other people. And, and as a disciple, we're, we're called to also submit, to submit to authority. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. So as disciples in the church, we're supposed to submit to authority. Now, we don't really have, like, leadership yet in this church, but we do have a pastor. And I'm not saying you have to listen to everything he says, but the scripture talks about you're supposed to submit to him. You're supposed to, supposed to submit to that authority. And he gives an account to God. So... If your pastor is leading you the wrong way, that's not, that's not your fault. He's going to be accountable to God for that. But I, I know this pastor personally. He's, we know him personally. He's, he's a good man. He's, follow, he's following what God's doing. But as, as Christians, as disciples, we need to honor that. And as me, like as a, as a young disciple too, I, I don't take this lightly preaching up here. Especially the Bible is talking about that we give an account. So I'm, I'm teaching to you guys I'm giving an account. That's why I'm reading, I'm reading the scripture. I'm not trying to, to say my own thing because I say some crazy stuff. But anyway, uh, and it also says to have a good attitude about it. Don't, don't, do it with joy. Don't do it with groaning. And um, he said that's what's best for you. So 
deny yourself. That's, that's the, the key number two. Just to deny yourself and let God lead your life. And then key number three, be, be willing to do the work. As disciples, we should be, will, be someone that's willing to do work. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And verse 23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Everything that we do here in the church, we don't do it for Pastor Mike. We don't do it for other people. We're doing it for the Lord. And a lot of times we, we, get, we, we could be getting a little lazy. I know sometimes I do. I don't really feel like doing a certain thing. And so, but we must be, be willing. Sometimes we have good intentions, but no one wants to do the work. Like it, my wife's not here. But if I told my wife, I intend to take you out on a date. I have good intentions. I, ha- I intend to take you out, but I don't do it. That, then what's the point? What's the point of town here, all that? Or I intend to, to give to this certain charity. I intend to give so much money to this charity. But when it comes time to do it, uh, I, don't, I don't got the money. I can't do it, sorry. So we have intentions, but it becomes meaningless if you don't do anything about it. So as in the church, we must be willing. Yes, it's good to be willing to do everything, but are you going to do it when you're asked to? As a church, we believe, we're believing that this church is going to grow. We have faith that it's going to grow, amen? We truly believe lives are going to be changed. But if we don't do anything about it, then the faith is worthless. It says here in James 2.20, faith without, without works is dead. So let's do something about it. Let's just, yeah, it's good to have faith. We're believing for great things. But if we're not, if we're just believing and believing and believing and there's no action taking place, then it, it says here faith without works is dead. Now I'm going to read here in, uh, I'm reading a lot of scripture. I might skip through it. I'm not sure. But uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 30. See, that's a lot of scripture. 12 through 30? Man. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read it all or parts of it. But just listen. It says, just as the body, though one, has many parts... But all, all of its parts, all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of many parts, of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, by, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smelling be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, then where would the body be? And it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, that's, that's a lot of scripture. It's like so many things. But let me, read, let me skip down here to verse uh, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of, then of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? So what is it saying here? It's saying that the whole body, the body is the church. And if everyone, basically if everyone was the pastor, then there wouldn't be anyone to do anything else. I mean, right now the, past, the pastor does a lot. But in a bigger church, you know, the pastor is able to put it on to different people. But if everyone was just an usher, then who would be a greeter? Who would work the kids? And all of us, as the, as the church, we are all the church. We all have different talents. We all have different giftings. And God is calling us to use those giftings. Uh, I'm already finishing up. David, if you want to come up and, and play. We all have different functions. But no one is greater than the other. The usher ministry is not greater than the greeter's ministry. Even the pastor being, being the leadership, that's not a greater ministry. It's just part of the body. It, it functions. There is no one greater. Um, so let, let's be dependable and be willing to do anything that needs to be done. Let's, let's have that attitude of, look, I, I have different talents, and I'm willing to do whatever I can to help this, this church grow and help people's lives be changed. Amen? And the last point, allow God to use you. Tell your neighbor you could be used by God. Tell, come on. Tell your neighbor, you could be used by God. That's right. You can. You can be used by God. You don't have to be perfect. Your life doesn't have to be together. The, the disciples, they weren't perfect. They're, they all had different careers. They were, they were fishermen. Uh, one was a tax collector. But they weren't, they weren't perfect. But yet God called them. And just like us, like for myself, like I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm really... I, I don't really have any, any type of special education in, in scripture, but God has called me. God has used my life. How much more can God use you? Some of us have great, great talents, great things we could use for God. And that's all you need. You just, you just need God to use your life. We read about Saul in, in, uh, in Acts. Saul, who later God changed his name to Paul, he was killing Christians. He was... He was head of the Romans, like a, a certain branch, and he was, they were persecuting the Christians. The same people that were following Jesus, he persecuted them. But what happened? One day he was riding to go kill some Christians, and God stops him, and he, and he encounters Jesus. So if God can, and he changed his name to Paul. So if God could use Paul, who killed Christians, how much more can God use you? I am not perfect. You, you could ask my wife. Yeah, she, I always tell her, I know you think I'm perfect, but I'm not. But she's like, oh, I know you're not perfect. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. But I've made, made a commitment to God that I am willing to do anything. When we moved here to Texas, I didn't come here thinking, I'm coming here because I want to be in a leadership role or else I'm not coming. No. If anything, this has been really tough because there's no one else. When we first started, there was no one else to depend on. It was just me, me and Pastor Mike. I, I moved here in June 2018. And it's like, okay, let's get to it. And so I was, I was the person that relied on. Now we, it's, a lot, it's been a lot easier because we have more people. But still, I, I, I have the attitude, look it, I don't, I'm not here. Like, he asked me to preach. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it only because that's what I committed to. 
I committed to God saying, look it, I, there's a lot of things I don't feel comfortable doing, but I would do it because I'm, I'm allowing myself to, myself to be used. Amen? So I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be used by God. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be, have it all together. But, but just have the attitude, look, you know what? I'm going to let God use my life and see what God does from there. Amen? So let's just, let's just be We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.